have entered Kindergeist, a horror podcast for kids and ghouls. <laughs> hey guys, it's officially the holidays, so um, Merry Christmas or Happy Hanukkah to whatever you celebrate. Um, I'm Zakia, and this is my auntie Xanthi. If this is your first day with us at Kindergeist, our goal is to create a space for kids to explore horror through fun, inspiring, and meaningful dialogue. We exist to help the younger generation embrace themselves for being different, break the stigma that horror isn't for kids, and make a positive impact on the horror community at large. Also, some exciting news, Kindergeist is finally, officially, uh, <laughs> finally. Fangor- <laughs> finally, uh, Fangoria affiliate. So if you don't know what Fangoria is, well, that's kind of sad. I'm just kidding. But uh, it's an iconic horror magazine that has been around since 1979 with incredible articles and interviews about the genre. I love Fangoria. The team is amazing. Um, They've been so supportive of rising filmmakers in general and uh, supporting the legacy of horror as an art. And one of the co-owners, Tara, is a woman, which is amazing. A very girl boss. Yay. And um, another thing I love about them is that they support international like horror because, as they say, we all scream in the same language. Yeah. And I feel like we do see it around a lot like Fangoria. If you haven't watched like the new Pretty Little Liars that came out and I saw the magazine and the show and I was like, oh, my gosh. And it's so cool how we're kind of like connected with them through a podcast. So I thought that was really cool. Um, So if you want to subscribe and you should, and I'm going to make you subscribe. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> ask, a parent, uh, ask a parent or guardian to visit Fangoria.com slash Kindergeist Podcast. Um, they have super cool mer- merchandise, even baby clothes, onesies, not clothes. Well, well technically it's clothes, of, Yeah, too. technically clothes. Use code Kindergeist Podcast for 20% off your subscription or discount off your swag. Okay, so now on to the topics. Sorry, guys. I'm very congested still. So I feel like by the end of this season, I'm going to be like, I won't really sound that well because it's flu season. But um, on to the topics. So it's December, as you know, and we had to do Christmas horror and also for the real life horror. Um, so we're covering the Netflix documentary Capturing the Killer Nurse and the 1990s animated series Tales from the Crypt Keeper, specifically the episode It's For You. Um, so we're talking about the capturing the killer nurse. Uh, this is about, uh, based on a real story. Uh, this is a documentary, guys, by the way. It's also a book, I believe. That's what my mom told me. I watched this with my mom because she is an upcoming nurse, or would you say, yeah. Um, so this nurse who, like, puts poison, like, the IVs, like, put not good stuff in the IVs and also injects people with, like, I forgot what it was called, but it starts with a D. Dijoxin. Dijoxin, yes, Dijoxin. And basically it makes people, like, just die. Uh, It's not a good thing. And he... I forgot his name, but he... Um, Charlie Cullen. Oh, okay. Because in the movie, they never really said his name. They only put his last name, like, said his, like, Cullen. Oh, they did say his name, but um, they didn't really, like, make a big deal out of it. Out of his name, Yeah, they just said Charlie sometimes. They mostly said the victims' names, though, like the people that were murdered. I believe that he killed more than, like, 400 people, like, at least, right? Right. Definitely admitted to 29. And then he got sentenced to, I think, for life. So, yeah, what are your thoughts about it, though? First of all, the the title 
capturing the killer nurse, I felt like that was kind of a strange choice to go with because it makes it sound like the uh, name. Yeah, capturing the killer nurse sounds like a B movie, which I mean, I love B movies, but it was a very strange choice. But you watch more true crime documentaries than I do. Is this kind of yeah. a normal thing that true crime makes these kind of weird titles? Names. Yeah, it, it was kind of weird because I feel like it's kind of like, okay, I don't know if cliche is the word because I don't really know what it's kind of like capturing the killer nurse. Like, ooh, like it's not really like that though. Like, at first, I was going into the documentary like watching it as like something that would be like scary but it's like it's, it's, it's a- like more unsettling but the way that the film is titled it makes you think like it's a slasher movie right 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 so it's like i feel i feel like it's like definitely awareness to talk about like how nurses have some can have an advantage of like killing some of the without getting away with it also not to mention it's like the fact that like the hospital was like kind of sweeping up everything like do you want to talk about more about that Yeah, that was the most disturbing part of it all, because uh, whenever I see these uh, true crime documentaries, I'm just horrified by the fact how repeatedly people sweep awful things under the rug because they care more about image or money or negative publicity. I mean, we were talking about Dahmer the other episode, and it's just like the incompetency of like people. Um, and that's why I feel like um, true crime is this extra, it's even scarier than narrative things because this happened and these people died and these people were real people that had families that they left behind. And I want to talk about something actually because uh, there's actually something that is going around at my school that I have a teacher who was my choir teacher last year and he like, I'm not trying to make my school look like I have a bad reputation because that's not a really good, like, it's weird, but I feel like every school, like there's something, always something bad about every school. I feel like there's no perfect school. Absolutely. But, um, there is my choir teacher, my old choir teacher, like he has multiple victims who he sexually harassed. And we just found out now, like one of the victims just came forward and he did this to multiple girls and like would abuse them and like do not good stuff to them. And of course, like the girl that came forward didn't say specifically what he did to her, but there are like some victims who were sexually harassed and uh, they're anonymous, but we know that it's true or whatever. But the thing is like the, the principal is not doing anything about it. There is a case, like there was like a detective and like a whole thing, but I didn't even know about it until yesterday because the girl came forward and I shared it on my Instagram story. So, but I think it like, I'll repost it if you guys want to see, but yeah. And it's kind of shocking because he left our school, like our school towards the end of the year. He was under investigation. When the girl came forward yesterday, it kind of brought up like some stuff around the school and stuff. Uh, Miss LaSure, my principal, is just like sweeping it under the rug as if never nothing ever happened. And he's still going to teach until the 15 week mark. So he's going to teach for three more weeks. How is that? even happening that he gets to finish his time right and like Like he should be immediately taken out like that's scary yeah exactly and miss lesher i don't know she's like doing everything in like her will to just like sweep everything under the rug because her reputation might get hurt or whatever the school's reputation might get hurt which is like so disappointing his like one of his classes is all girl class with only two guys and it's like really uh not good. Yeah, that's so. like putting a bunch of young girls in risk at risk. 
like aren't the parents like gonna boycott or like the staff is gonna boycott like there's not no action at all so the students are actually gonna protest uh i think in front of his classroom on monday and like my mom my mom had some conflict with him too because like i didn't want to be in that choir class because i never asked to be in that class and i don't know he's like really bad at communication so it's like really weird gross man yeah yeah but on i know on that topic of like school sweeping things under the rug like i've seen that in especially during undergrad it's really annoying too like when um you talk with people who don't understand why certain people don't report sexual assault right away because they just assume oh they kept it to themselves or they didn't say it until years later it must have not been a big deal or they must have some kind of agenda but it's like no like if you're if you go through a trauma you're you're going to be scared of judgment right and um even scared of saying it out loud so yeah it's like really unfair i hope like if any any of our listeners are have faced something like that or have gone through something like that even now like yeah don't listen to those people who are just awful and yeah yeah it's a very complex issue cuz we can't tell you to report it we can't tell you to not report it it's a very personal decision just take your time and know that people are there for you anyway exactly and i never experienced anything but i'm just saying like like most people that are here to hear you out then like they're here to hear you out you know like they're probably not going to understand but they're going to help you so back to the topic of what made you want to choose this episode? Because it is the first time we've had a documentary on the show. I already watched it and I felt like it was interesting because it was related to her anyway. And I was like, oh, maybe we should do something new because weirdly enough, we've been doing really different new things these past couple episodes of our podcast this season. We first talked about K-pop horror, which is like the most interesting thing ever. We had podcasters. We talked about two topics for the first time with those two podcasters. Um, so yeah, definitely these things that were coming around. And I thought that it would be fun to spice it up a little bit as well again. Yeah, no, I've actually been wanting us to cover a documentary. So I'm glad that you chose it. Oh, I love documentaries. Do you feel like documentaries are truth? Oh, uh, definitely uh, not. Like most of it. Uh, this could be controversial, but um, I feel like some of it can be covered up or some of it, they're not telling the full truth. Like, for example, if you watch the Cecil Hotel, I've watched that months ago. It's still in my brain because I, I think I'm kind of traumatized by it. But definitely, uh, if you know the girl, she could definitely just been like led into that tank upstairs in the roof. Like, there could be someone who is following her. There could be, there is so many possibilities like that could have actually happened. Like how did she even get up there in the first place? Did she have a key? Did someone let her in? Definitely one of the workers could have let her. Yeah. So things like that, I feel like it's either the police not telling the truth or getting lazy with the case already, wanting to close it up right away. You know, that's how I feel, but definitely some of the I feel like some of the documentaries are not really told the way that they were actually in real life. Maybe because of the lack of evidence in the case. Maybe people just don't know that are making the film. But you know, things like that. Yeah, I would say I agree with that because 
when I was younger, I, well, actually, not just documentaries, but movies, I thought they were true. Like the things that they present, the themes that they project onto us, they were like absolute truth. But then later on, I realized that both narrative and documentary films are told through the lens of somebody's opinion. So even though like there's true crime, books and podcasts and films and documentaries, it's kind of like, yes, those things happened, but the way that the documentary is being told is like through the eyes of this director and these producers and how they want you to feel about the subject. And mind you, most of these people who are behind the camera and like the directors, not being mean or rude or discriminatory, discriminate, yeah. But these are mostly middle-aged white men who create these movies or these documentaries. So like the Ratatouille episode, I was talking about how my English teachers told me, even though he is a middle-aged white man as well. Um, but I feel like I trust him more enough to like give us a perspective as students to look at things outside of the box. It makes more sense that way. Like, don't limit your your width of perspective. Like, who said this? I forgot. So a guy basically showed a girl a black dot in the middle of a white paper. So where are you going to look to first? Um, the black dot. Exactly. So with that being said, that means that you're only looking out in the inner circle, that black dot. But you're not looking at things around it. Does that make sense? So whenever you're watching these documentaries or movies, keep in mind that these are like middle-aged white men, like I said, who are trying to create a bias for you as you're watching this movie and you don't even know it. I think I also talked about this in the Ratatouille episode where um, Disney kind of like creates the perspective as you're younger. It kind of corrupts your brain into thinking certain things like you're going to always have a Prince Charming there. You know, you're not going to go through hardships. Like that's like literally how it affects your brain. But with that being said, like, yeah, I feel like definitely the people who are creating it behind the scenes have a way to corrupt your brain especially with like these type of things so yeah that was super well said thank you it's basically (laughs) you're welcome it's basically um you should question everything that you think you know or yeah Um, just just question everything (laughs) i was like you could just question everything yeah um so charlie charlie cullen he saw that he was doing these acts of killing because he felt like he wanted to end people's suffering and couldn't stand people in the hospital hurting and just sitting in those beds. And I'm curious about what your response is. I think that it's just an excuse. Like, yeah, it's like terrible to see people suffer, but it doesn't mean that you have to end them on your own terms. You know, it's like their life. Like they, whatever you believe in to our audience, but I feel like if God wants you to die at a certain time, then that's the time that you die. Like, there's no stopping it. And like, well, I mean, there are like Charlie, but I mean, those are like psychopaths or sociopaths or whatever paths, you know, they're not good people. So they just kind of do it for themselves. But I feel like with his mother dying and him not being able to take it after being mentally unstable, like after that traumatic thing in his life, he became mentally unstable. And I feel like it sounds like a you problem. Like that's your kind of your fault. 
and you shouldn't do it in the first place and it's weird how you couldn't stop yourself i mean i feel like that's how sociopaths are though like they can't stop themselves and then like there there was this lady i'm sorry i forget her name this older lady who said as nurses were taught to save lives not to kill people and i feel like that encompasses exactly this uh, documentary i think i remember the girl she's also a nurse too but she's really old and my mom was just like talking like the whole time i'm like girl i'm just trying to watch documentary like let me she's like oh my gosh this is so sad guys oh my gosh like girl that's about to be you i mean not killing people but i mean you're gonna be in the medical field you just have to be aware. But yeah, that's about it. Yeah. And we place so much trust in doctors and nurses because I remember when I ever, when I had surgery, like I think I've had it twice now. And when you're recovering from surgery, you're like very helpless. Vulnerable. Because you can't, you're vulnerable. Yes. And I remember just like placing so much like dependability on like my nurse and she was so kind and she let me borrow her Netflix password. So it was really sweet. But just imagine, because people said that this guy, that Cullen was very sweet. And then you turn around and he puts, injects dioxin or whatever. Dioxin. It's like, it's like oxygen, but like with a D, I feel like. Wait, let's actually see if he's still alive. Hold on. Oh, he was, he was sent to 11. Oh my gosh. He's not allowed to get out of jail until June 10th. 2388. He's going to pass away in jail. Really? That's so crazy. For real? Who's going to even live that far? Like, imagine people. I feel like we're not even going to be alive by then. Like, all of us. Unless we find some kind of technology that extends our lives by then. He's 62. He's still alive. But you know his friend that was uh, the one who was telling the story? Mostly Amy. Is it Lauren? Yeah, I I remember her. So she actually walked in on him injecting somebody, but of course she didn't know. Yeah. So like, how would you feel if you walked in or found out that somebody you were close with and friends with ended up being a serial killer? Oh, I probably would have like act like nothing happened and then went, ran to the phone and called the police. But how would you like cope with it? Like, because I say this is somebody you really care about. Oh, I would have just like, how would you... Well, I mean, I don't really trust anyone. So it's kind of like, even if they're super close, like a family member, like, I feel like that would be so wrong. Like, I would just see them differently, even if they, they mess up, you know? Yeah. So let's say if, like, you walked in on, like, your brother and he was like, Aah! I don't know what that oh, sound is. La- but no, I'm not laughing. What you I'm do? <laughs> I would just been like, what are you doing? And he would, like, probably lie or whatever. I'd be like, oh, okay. And then I would run call the police and be like yo my brother is doing something bad get him now i'm just kidding yeah but like that's too bad get i mean that's not like a him problem though like that's not my life no that, i don't want to talk about my brother in these terms this is like so bad oh my goodness i feel so bad yeah no he he's very sweet actually sometimes <laughs> yeah sometimes the film is actually did you know it also became a narrative film called the good nurse it's. I think they released around the same time on Netflix. Weird. Um, it has Jessica Chastain and Eddie Redmayne. I think I saw who are that. Very, yeah, they're very revered actors. Well, I haven't watched a narrative movie yet, but I feel like since one is like an actual documentary and one is like... Scripted. Scripted, yeah. It's kind of like Dahmer because there's like a documentary and a narrative story or whatever. So I think I feel the same way about it, like both. Yeah, because there's actually been similar situations with 
similar controversy. Like there's this documentary called Mommy Dead and Dearest. And it was about like a mother um, basically keeping her daughter sick and lying to her. And she was in a wheelchair and everything. And and this girl believed that she was dying because her mother... What in the world? Yeah, it's actually... There's a specific condition that's called... I think it's like a Manchausen, Manchausen by proxy. And um, that became a Hulu TV show called The Act. And then there's that HBO documentary series, which I feel like you would like this one, um, called The Jinx. Mm-hmm. Basically, this, uh, yeah, this killer who was getting away with murder... And then that became a narrative film called All Good Things, which had Ryan Gosling in it. Oh, Ryan. And Kirsten Dunst. But actually, the narrative film came before the documentary um, and directed by the same director. Wait, when is that new Barbie mu- movie coming out? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I think it's, it's coming out next year, but I am so excited about the Barbie movie. So funny. It's got to be really campy and comedic, and it has... Um, Who's a girl? Who's going to play the girl? So yeah, because Ryan Gosling is playing Ken, and Margot Robbie is playing Barbie, but I heard that Barbie is going to have like a real character arc, and she's going to be like standing up for herself and like women's oh. empowerment. So oh, I'm like, okay. interesting. That means I have to watch the whole Barbie thing. The whole like Barbie series? Yeah. Oh, I've actually never seen like the animated Barbie. What? I should probably give it a shot just to see it though. Because I heard there's a lot of memes about it. I guess the last thing is like, who would you recommend capturing the killer nurse to and what age group? Oh, by the way, this is rated TV 14. Yeah, I think 13 and up is fine. Like, honestly, once you're a teen, you're fine. It's not even scary at all. Like, I wouldn't recommend this to my brother. Like, no way. Yeah, he's 10. Oh, okay. So, uh, the next topic is It's For You episode from Tales of the Crypt Keeper. So, it's a Christmas horror because this is a Christmas episode, right? Like, what is this episode about and, like, why did you choose it? Uh, first of all, I chose this one because um, we're releasing this episode in December. So, I thought it'd be fun to have a Christmassy horror episode that's friendly for kids. It's rated TVG, all of the episodes, so it's, like, open to all the babies and kids. <laughs> It's an anthology animated series that's um, like also linked to the Tales from the Crypt comic and live action show, which is for adults. So this one that's intended for kids, Tales from the Crypt Keeper, the episode is about this young 14-year-old named Gary who gets his own phone for Christmas. And this was the 90s, so there were no such thing as cell phones yet, at least they weren't as common. There were cell phones, but basically we still use landlines. And he gets his own and he just like goes wild with doing prank calls and really abuses the power of having his own phone in his room. So I thought it would be very interesting to hear also from your perspective, having not been from the generation that we use landlines when we were kids and how kind of these themes relate to modern days. It was very much like uh, The Simpsons, I feel like, like the animation. Yeah, like 2D animation. Yeah, and like the face expressions is so cringy. It's kind of like those uh, shows that I would watch as a little kid. I'm still little or quote unquote little, but like, you know, when I was younger, I would say. I feel like it's definitely, since this was based in 1990, 
I feel like the grand, not the grandma, but like the old woman, or we don't know if she's a grandpa or not, but the old woman. The sinister character? Yes. It reminded me of like a game called uh, Granny or something, Granny. Yeah. Yeah, that kid's horror game. Because like whenever he, like it was chasing um, him around, it was like super, like that type of vibe. And that mailman is like quite uh, not He's useless. I know. It's like, come on. SMH. I guess, like, do do people even still prank call? I don't think so. I feel like they they used to do that, like, a while back. Or I feel like it would be kids who, like, just got a phone and just, like, decide to, like, want to call random people. Like, kind of annoying, though, right? Yeah, but I'm wondering, since cell phones automatically have caller ID, like, how oh, do kids get around that? Oh, okay, so you just turn off the caller ID yeah. and just call and random would, like, numbers. Yeah, unknown. I only remember doing prank calls when I was when we had landlines and it was really bad like I didn't do it all the time but it was funny like it's not nice but it was funny and uh, um, this was when okay like Scream came out and I was a kid when that came out so we were we thought it'd be funny a friend and a friend of mine and I uh, we used the phone in my parents room I was like, oh, there's a list of phone numbers on this piece of paper. Let's just call people. And and I remember we called this woman. We tried to do like the ghost face voice. We were like, hi, like we're right outside your window. And then she was like, oh, and she like hung up. (laughs) And I was it was really bad because I (laughs) because I realized that the numbers that we were calling from was like my dad's contact list on his military unit. Oh, no. Um. (laughs) <laughs> it was like people he worked with like on his squadron gosh. or oh gosh i'm so glad they didn't know it was me my dad would have gotten in really big trouble um yeah it's called a recall roster how did you feel when you got your first phone and how old were you i was very young i think i was like in fourth grade <laughs> or third grade i don't know i was in elementary school though but i had no stim card so like i wasn't able to call or like have any internet whenever I'm out of the house, but, like, I can use it in the house. I don't know. It was, like, really weird. It was an iPhone 5C, I believe. It was, like, the small phone, and, like, with the... with the My mom got a new phone, and I got her hand-me-down phone, which is an iPhone success. And then I got a new phone for middle school when I graduated elementary school and got into middle school, and then I got this phone, which is XR. But I want a new phone so badly... I not I don't want it. I just need it because I feel like I don't know if it's because of my storage or something, but it always like turns off on its own. My dad doesn't want me to get one though because he's like, "Yeah, need a new one." I'm like, "Girl." It's interesting because when I think I got my first cell phone uh, when I was a senior in high school. What? And <laughs> they were expensive back then. Like now they're more accessible, but back then, like, and it was like a really crappy cell phone too. Like. Um, it wasn't like a smartphone. It was like a flip and then you could only call people and that's it and like text. But the texting was like super slow. Oh. Um, I was the opposite of like, I know a lot of people are dying to have a phone when they're young. But for me, I was like trying as long as possible not to get a phone because I thought they were annoying. You're one of those people. Yeah. Like, and then one day my dad let me like mess around with his iPhone and I was like, Wow, this is really fun. And then I started getting into smartphones after that. <laughs> yeah, now you have, like, you're updated. I do u- use it a lot for work. Like, I need to be 
at my email at any moment's notice. So that's the only reason why I keep it because of work. It does get addicting though because of social media as well. Anyways. Yeah, like how did you feel about the the jokes in the... I know you said overall it was cringy, but... <laughs> Like, I, I personally love puns. I know that's a controversial opinion Ooh. because people, it's like, <laughs> like, because like there's that scene where uh, the Crypt Keeper character yeah. was like pretending to be a phone operator and he was like, who are you holding for? Like Marie Antoinette? Sorry, she's been cut off. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and wait, do, so do you get that joke? Like, I'm not even sure if you covered it. Isn't she dead? Yeah, she had her head cut off. That's why, oh, um, yeah. that's the okay, joke. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I was like, wait, did she get her head cut off or something? I did catch that though, but I, I was like, I didn't laugh because I was just kind of cringy. But <laughs> meanwhile, I'm at home laughing at it. <laughs> oh my goodness. Why didn't you think the sister tattled on him? Because the sister is me and the sisters don't snitch. Is there like an unspoken code between siblings? Well, you would never understand, right? Because you have a sibling. But, um. Yeah, I don't have any. My brother doesn't understand, but, like, I don't snitch on him unless he snitch on me first. Like, he's always, he's like the parent, he's like the teacher's pet, but toward my parents. He's like, oh, yeah, I'm the best one. I'm like, okay, sir. <laughs> like, I literally try to be besties with you and try and talk to you and, like, talk about all our problems with each other, but you're over here who's not even caring and just acts like freaking child like come on bro grow up the, the the whenever i hear about the sibling dynamics from just people in general it's really interesting to me because there's those jokes about like uh depending on the family the young one tends to be the spoiled one and then the first child is like the one that people go hard on but here's the thing but here's the thing i was loved more if you think about it. Oh, controversial longer. statement. I was loved longer because I was born first. So I was loved. Lo I was going to be loved longer by my parents. So it's like. No competition. Yeah, no no competition, whatever, for whatsoever. But yeah, if you think about it, though, like, yeah, I have been loved longer than he is. than he has. Yeah, because you are older. You've been on this earth longer mm, than he has. Yeah. What stood out to you about, like, this story? Or you didn't have to like it, but, like, as far as, like, themes or anything? I mean, I did like, I feel like I liked it as, like, a kind of kiddish type of movie or, like, a starter for horror. Not even that much horror. What I found interesting, I feel like, is the baby and the mom. Why does it have to be a baby and a mom? Like, why could it just be a random girl or boy also the one where he calls a different one but it was like towards for a little boy that poor boy like what did that poor boy do to you like you're freaking traumatizing him like come on okay so for the for the baby and the mom uh so he prank calls the baby and a mom and says like he's marco or whatever uh or no he's asking for marco and the baby keeps on crying because the phone keeps on ringing because he keeps on prank calling um, them and the mom gets really mad and the baby starts crying or whatever and then it moves to the other scene where he goes like oh I know where you live like he's talking in a really creepy voice and there's like a boy standing next to the phone who's like really scared and creeped out poor boy it's, it's very much teaching children to be mindful and not to prank call and which I see in a lot of children's media 
sometimes you'll really feel the weight of like the adult perspective on it, like teaching kids what's not good through story. And um, which is not a bad thing. Like we need lessons in story. It's very stupid to do prank calls. I feel like it's like so unnecessary. Yeah, it, it's just really annoying and mean towards the person that's receiving it yeah. as well. Like, I, I don't think I've ever done it before, but I, I think I did call 911 with you at, at your house before on my dad's phone. Called 911? That's kind of a felony, right? It is? <laughs> oh my gosh, wait, no. No, was it an accident? I call, No, but here's the thing. I only called it once and I hung up right away. Oh, I don't know if that would okay. be considered a prank calling because I was scared. I was scared to call anyone at that point. Like, I was scared to, I was scared, I didn't really like calling people. I remember that, though, when you still had your bed in that room, in the room that you're in right but now. But I actually do remember when you were young, like, probably around Zakia and Tita times when you were six or seven. Yeah, it was. And yeah, yeah, yeah. there was, like, this Mickey Mouse phone in my room that's not connected, and then I would just pick it up, and I would be like, oh, Hi, like, oh, yeah, yeah, and pretend I'm talking to someone, and you would be like, Who's that? <laughs> I said that well, because it, it was really innocent, yeah, like you believed that somebody was on the phone, Bruh. and then I'd be like, Oh, it's for you. I'm so stupid. I'm just no, kidding. it's not stupid, it's just very curious. But, um, and then it was interesting how Gary had to call everyone afterwards and apologize. Yeah, that was that was also interesting. It was funny though, isn't that something people have to do, like, in uh. I might be getting this wrong, but like 12 step programs where people are recovering from like either alcoholism or addiction, don't they have to call people and apologize them as part of their process? Really? I did not know that. But I'm wondering, like, why did you think he took home the phone at the end? Because the, the phone that was at the granny's place, because oh, I was yeah, like, yeah. isn't that a cursed phone? That's a really good question. I'm not sure. I thought it was a toy phone at first. It wasn't plugged into anything when he got home. So I was like, weird. Unless like they were, those were a thing already. Because I feel like all the phones that we've seen already were plugged into the wall. But I thought it was a toy phone. So he just wanted like a toy phone instead of a real phone? Well, it was it was a weird person's mail. So it's like not really his decision of what it, it is. I don't know why he took it. Yeah, I was kind of like, I would never take anything from that creepy house. That just all of a sudden disappeared. Who would you recommend this show or this episode to and what age group? Um, All ages, besides if they're like three and up or whatever. Like, I feel like it's a really good starter horror, to be honest. Maybe who, who people who like a little bit of thriller with uh, Christmassy or suspense or who just needs a lesson, you know, like kids who just need to learn a lesson <laughs> and their parents just don't really want to talk to them about it yeah it's like a uh babysitter in um animation form yes exactly <laughs> yeah you can stream the series on tubi amazon prime or pluto tv um i think it's on film rise as well and so those a lot of those are free so it's good deal and then to like some more christmasy stuff related to tales tales from the crypt they actually have a christmas album which is pretty cute. It's called Have Yourself a Scary Little Christmas. And mm. it's a bunch of like puns like that. Like instead of we, you know how it goes like, we wish you a Merry Christmas. They go like, we wish you'd bury the missus. <laughs> like, what? It's really, crin it's kind of cringy because it's like pun filled. But yeah, it's just like they make horror versions of Christmas songs. But it's fun to play in like the Christmas party background and all. Okie dokie. 
Okay, guys, we're almost towards the end of the season, which means that we have a bonus episode coming up. That would officially be the season finale. So this is the 30th episode of the Kinder Guys podcast. Also, um, wishing you a happy holiday season. Uh, whatever you celebrate, Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa. Yeah, so happy holidays. And before we close, I did want to acknowledge that the holidays are not always happy for everyone and can be kind of lonely sometimes. And especially for kids, they can get overwhelmed or stressed with uh, relatives and parties. So I wanted to share this newsletter from the Child Mind Institute, which said, uh, big family get-togethers can tax kids' ability to behave. Talking to relatives can be hard on kids who are shy. Even favorite traditions can turn into a test of stamina with kids with short attention spans. And especially during like deaths and divorce, uh, holidays can be kind of rough. So I'm going to link the articles that discuss those issues in our show notes. But either way, I hope everyone has a lovely holiday and we'll have Zakia read us the quote of the night. Okay, we've done this in the Ratatouille episode, but I feel like we haven't done it. This is like our second time, I think, this season doing quote of the night, which we haven't done in so long and I miss doing it. But um, so the quote of the night is, what happens under the mistletoe stays under the mistletoe. <laughs> um, so thank you guys so much for listening. Subscribe to this and add us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. All you have to do is search up Kinderguys Podcast. Um, check out my blog post at kinderguyspod.weebly.com. And remember, you are loved, you are baddie, and remember to always live on the front side. And lastly, don't, don't call, call us, us, we'll, we'll call, call you. you. <laughs>